us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. Let's try it one more time. And a one, <laughs> and a two, two, and a three. Wait, when, that's not how you do it. All right, you do it. No, I mean, it's one, two. When Captain America, America throws his that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it is the last comic shop, and it is the 4th of July, and we are celebrating Independence Day here at the shop with an annual tradition of reading a Captain America comic book. I'm the host of the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith, Jerry Scott, and the wonderful Ethan Larson to, again, read some Captain America, as well as treat all of our fans with a little bit of that picnic cooking. Cookouts are all over the place here on the 4th of July. This isn't really picnic cooking, though. More, we're too lazy to make a picnic, <laughs> so we're going somewhere else. <laughs> True. As you may or may not know, in previous years, we've talked all about fried chicken during our 4th of July spectaculars, uh, but this year we're changing it up a bit because we're getting bored with fried chicken. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. But I think we've covered it all. I mean, we did that whole tournament with the last chicken shop last year. Make sure you go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear all about the chickens. But now, this year, it's all about the moo cows. Moo. So, Ethan, what do we got for all of our last comic shop fans for this year? Well, we're taking a big old slice of Americana this year, and we're going after, give me some reverb here again, the last burger shop. Yes, that's right. This is a Jughead's dream here. Just much like the last chicken shop that we had previously, we're going to be putting uh, 16 of the best burger shops battle to the death tournament style and we're going to come up with the final four that you all can get to choose which of these is the top dog or top cow so <laughs> top horse if you're in parts of great britain or china <laughs> oh, 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 oh. but you're right we've got 16 of the best burger franchises out there and we are going to whittle it down to the final four which we will then put out on our twitter account this week so that you can vote on who the eventual winner is as the best burger shop out there. This is primarily based on burgers. That is the criteria in which we are judging all of these different franchises. But if we are tied after the burger stage of deliberation, then we go to fries. Ties goes to fries. Wow. And uh, are we including shakes? There's some really good places that have shakes with your burger, right? Yeah, shakes only if we are still tied after fries. So Ooh, shakes yeah. by themselves can't usurp the fry component. Yeah, that's not a catchy rhyme. <laughs> shakes <laughs> would be mistakes until after fries have been surprised. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's go ahead and jump right into it in the interest of time. I'm sure that you're tired of us talking and you'd rather hear us debating so ring that bell it is now time for the last burger shop and we're starting off with our two seven matchup this is wendy's coming in at a number two for auburn curls going up against shake shack one of the fastest growing burger shops in america originally started off i think as just like a stand in the middle of addison square park in new york city and like just exploded 
from there. Madison so, Square Park? Yeah. Is that it like Central Park? It's something like that. I've never been. I didn't know that was a thing. I've heard of Madison Square Garden. That's true. That must... I don't even think is a garden. I think that's where people play <laughs> hockey and basketball. Yeah, it's a stadium. On man. the fifth yeah. floor, by the way. On the floor. All right, enough of that. <laughs> Uh, well, Shake Shack does have great spicy sauce, and they you can get cherry peppers, but I can't go against Wendy's. I mean, come on. Where's the beef, right? Exactly. exactly. Where's right. the beef, man? <laughs> Wendy's gives you the square burger. And why I is think- that, J.A.? Well, they don't cut corners. Because they don't cut corners. <laughs> and, you got, and you got the Baconator, and you got the son of Baconator. Yeah. And you got the heart attack from the Baconator. You just got to remember, unfortunately, we are only judging based on burgers or else Wendy's might take this whole thing. If we were going to Wendy's in the 80s when they had the Super Bar. Oh, the Super Bar is great. But I think it takes it anyways, even with like the Frosty, the fries are pretty decent. Mm. I'm going with Wendy's. And I want to know, does the Wendy's chili count as burger, considering it was yesterday's burger just reserved (laughs) again? Sometimes you can ask to put the chili on the burger if you were nice enough. My friend Thompson, he used to work at Wendy's and he had somebody, he was loyal Wendy's customer. He said, put everything you have on that burger. And so he just put all the <laughs> whatever the hell he could find, put like mop water on there, put chili, oh. put uh, bacon. And the guy said that was the best burger he's ever had. So wow. if Wendy's See? can do that, then Wendy's is the winner. Yeah. I feel like the buildup for Shake Shack is too much and the lines are too long. And by the time I finally get my stuff, I'm like, the payoff doesn't equate to the buildup. I would agree no, with that. I, I had, there's a Shake Shack here in Manila. I had it. It was exactly I had I had a burger, I had the fries, I had the milkshake, and afterwards my stomach was not happy with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is common with the shake shot. <laughs> well, speaking of eating a hamburger and then your stomach not feeling uh okay with you and your life choices, the number two on the other side of this bracket is in some instances famous, in other instances infamous White Castle. Up against another it, with Steak and Shake. <laughs> Can both lose? Yeah, there have to be a winner for this one. <laughs> there does. And the clear winner is White Castle. They were one of the first companies out there to make the burger, right? They put the burger, they put the onions. You wouldn't have fast food burgers if it wasn't for White Castle. And my dad, God rest his soul, he loved White Castle hamburgers with their crinkle cut french fries and their really tiny hamburgers that you can eat just like by the handful, like you're some sort of giant in a Mickey cartoon. It's hard, because like I said, these these places are both terrible. So <laughs> I, I don't really have a thought in this fight. That's the I thing, guess. White Castle, you're expecting disappointment. <laughs> when you go to Steak and Shake, for whatever reason, you're like, no, this time it's gonna be better. And it never is. It never <laughs> is. It's always the worst. I mean, it's just a dressed up Denny's, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's basically the same restaurant. It's a dressed down Denny's where it's like, oh, we're already slumming at Denny's. How much more slumming? Can like, we- and I'm going to say this point, Blake. I think White Castle has kind of tapped into that whole thing like Paps Blue Ribbon, where it's so bad. It's good now. Like it's come all the way around. It's hip to eat at a White Castle. Right. They all didn't right. they didn't make Harold and Kumar go to Steak and Shake. They made Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. So it's White there Castle for the win. Let's move on. Uh coming in with the number three versus the number six C, we've got Whataburger 
I've only been to once. It was in Las Vegas and I was eating breakfast at noon. And this is going up against any of the burgers that you can get either at Red Robin or Applebee's or TGI <laughs> Fridays. It's, it's, it's essentially, yes, it's it's your, your neighborhood mall chain restaurant. The only thing that changes is the decor. They, these are the restaurants with flair. You don't have enough flair. You don't have enough flair. I, I don't like um, to talk about my flair. <laughs> I think we're going to lose every fan in Texas if we don't vote for Whataburger. So that's my vote. Yeah. Plus, it's like generic burger number one versus generic burger number two. Like, well, I, I, I'm going opposite because I like the decor. I'm voting decor. <laughs> It's too distracting. (laughs) And when you go to places like TGI Fridays, they are just really, they're doing whatever they want. (laughs) They're taking a side of ribs and stapling them to the top of your bun. They've got chicken wings sticking out of the side. They're really playing with the form. I'm going to go with the mall flare burger. Yeah, no, I'm agreeing with that too. Uh, Look, there's an alligator and it's wearing sunglasses. (laughs) A gas pump inside. I love going to Red Robin and getting the egg on it. It's messy uh, as hell. Just but... don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the Flair Burger's moving on to the next round. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry, Texas. Uh, on the other side, and actually it's a burger I've never had at the number three seat. We got the In-N-Out Burger versus Ooh. Hardee's slash Carl's Jr. at number six. I'm just going to say I used to love Carl's Jr. when they opened up in Shanghai. And then I had a Carl's Jr. burger once and I got horrible, horrible food poisoning. I almost had to go to the hospital. I was out two days. So Carl's Jr. is getting zero votes for me because (laughs) I lost like five pounds. (laughs) Parasites. It was like that scene in the alien where the thing was popping out of my chest. Wanted well, spoiler revenge. alert, my, my vote is for In-N-Out Burger, even though I love Hardee's. Ask my son, every time we drive in a car ride, he's always like pointing at every restaurant saying, Dad, look, Hardee's, but he calls it parties. And I'm like, it's a party in your stomach, just ask J.A. So, but you cannot get a burger animal style at Hardee's, so my vote is for In-N-Out Burger. Now, the one thing In-N-Out has going for it, the one I've only been to In-N-Out a handful of times, is uh, they don't tell you what they serve. You have to like, do research. It's like a mystery. You can order apparently whatever you want there, but they're not going to put it on the menu. Their menu is like, we have a burger and Coke. And you're like, do you have fries? Do you have cheese fries? The, the fun is, what can you order? You know, what can you get them to put on there? It's like a Scooby-Doo mystery. It's like, we wouldn't, we could have made this burger just to your liking if it hadn't been for those damn kids. I'm going to go with Hardee's, but I'm going to get outvoted on this. What in and out is going to win. I just like Hardee's and Carl's Jr. just because of the dirty, dirty ads. (laughs) Put them back. All right. So in and out burgers moving on uh, to the next round. Now we're finally to the four fives. Now these are traditionally the toughest matchups. Number four on the one side, we've got Jack in the Box, which I've never had. Super cool mascot, though. Won't lie. Love the Jack in the Box mascot, especially in the 90s. They had some awesome commercials with that dude. Uh, That's going up against Five Guys, which I'm going to vote for every time. I love me a Five Guys burger anytime I can get it. 
I feel like you're you're asking me which one of my children do I love more. It's, oh, this is too hard. It's too hard. So I, I have to admit, I've never had Jack in the Box. I haven't uh, been over to the the West Coast to have it, but I will say, Five Guys is like the opposite of In and Out, where like their menu, they just put everything out there. Like here's what we have. What do you want? And if you mess up a Five Guys burger, it's your own damn fault. Five Guys <laughs> for the win. That's true. Plus, they used to give you peanuts, and you could just throw those anywhere. That's right. Why is a small fry seven dollars, and then you get it, and it's like six hundred fries? They don't even care to put it in the cup anymore. They're just like they put it in a hefty's bag and throw it. <laughs> the peanuts, the fries, the the burger. That's that you get a one on it. You can't get a one at any other burger except for that. You know the burger with flair. I guess you can ask for a one and they'll give it to you. Yeah, they have an a one burger that also comes with a steak. They just staple to the top. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, can't you get tacos at John Jack in the Box? I feel yes. like if you can get tacos and burgers at the same joint, you should be disqualified from everything. That's like you can't make up your mind from, from life. <laughs> any case on the other side we've got a and w versus sonic so this is a war of the drive-ins this is where i think we're gonna have to go to the second and or third tiebreaker <laughs> because the burgers for both are just kind of meh they're they're okay they're nothing nothing special about the burgers the fries are also a bit mid but it's the shakes because Ooh. at a and w you get the root beer float yeah, there is nothing better than a classic A&W root beer float for sure. But I mean, Sonic does have some of those like weird drinks that they make, like some sort of concoction <laughs> in the back, like mad scientists throwing together chemicals. And they're like, yeah, cherry limeade blue. No, see, <laughs> see that's, they're trying too hard. A&W is going classic. But is well, anybody me... in the tots camp? Uh, uh, I, I could tots. go tots. Yeah. But let me tell you why I would strike down A&W is because here uh, in our area, they are combined with Long John Silver. (laughs) 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 Ouch. And you know, you're just asking for asbestos when you eat Long John Silver. (laughs) That's right. And I can't pass up the Long John Silver's addictive fish, whatever it is. And they have those crunchies that are just fried fried. It's not fried anything. It's just fried friedness. And so I never get the A&W burger because I'm eating that disgusting fish. <laughs> Feeling bad about myself afterwards. Sonic for the win. Have you ever asked the A&W burger and they put the hush puppies on top? What? Why not? That's madness. They're breaking all kinds of rules by combining these two hellscapes into one. You might as well just ask them, put the hush puppies on my burger. <laughs> So for me, it's going to be a breakdown of the mascots. Okay, so on one side we got A and W with Popeye and Wimpy, and the other one you got that pseudo sexual relationship between those guys in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Never see their hands. (laughs) They are way too comfortable with each other and talking about things that I don't think any other guys that have ever talked about in their lives. I gotta go wimpy, man. I just, <laughs> oh. I just have to. Like between that, I'm uh, sorry. Right. I, I'm no, gonna go with you. I'm gonna go with AW too, because I like their root beer. I love their root beer. So AW's moving on. And finally we get to the top. But number one on the one side is Burger King going up against a regional powerhouse in Culver's. Now I will say Culver's, you can get not only a burger that's slapped with butter, cheese curds, 
and you can get frozen custard there. But I mean, are we really gonna go against the king? Is anybody gonna go against the king on this? The Whopper is the king. Oh, you're going with the king. You can make it your way. If you if you eat in, you can get the little cardboard crown and walk around and be king for the day. What does it mean to make it your way anyway? That's you just can say no pickles. Uh, special props to Burger King for making a Whopper without meat because now I get the Whopper and I don't get the shits afterwards. So Whopper, uh, Burger King. For Their the impossible burger is impossible to tell whether or not it's real or it, like that's. That is good because stuff. Because at the I time, like- the 15 year olds at the grill is <laughs> up and they give you the regular <laughs> burger and they just pass it along. <laughs> so we got three for, for Burger King. Are we going to make this claim sweet? I'll go Burger King. All right. On the other side, and this is no surprise, coming in at number one, kind of like our Duke, but it is McDonald's. Yeah. So uh, McDonald's and Burger King, they're the Duke and Carolina of our brackets. Everyone remembers when they used to be good. <laughs> versus number eight which is checkers aka rally i mean i guess they got fries but we're talking about the burgers right so you got on the you got the big mac the quarter pounder missed the blt where you can fold it up yourself yeah the mcdlt the hot side's hot the cold side cold I, I will have to admit that that uh, once they've switched the quarter pounder to where they grill it now at the time of order, like you get a lot of like undercooked burgers. It's like McDonald's, you're like, I'm barely expecting meat in this burger. But now it's, <laughs> now it's actually, I can still see the cow moving in here. What is wrong? Could we have an upset? Well, I will eat McDonald's. I will still go there once a year to get the shamrock shake. I've never eaten a Big Mac that hasn't gone like everywhere. You wear more of the Big Mac than you eat it. Chad? Uh, so I I have a confession. I don't think I've had a McDonald's burger in 15 years. Uh, wow. That's probably because of my unhealthy chicken nugget obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I love those chicken nuggets. I mean, it's true. You want to see somebody that's really upset. See me getting a 20 piece of chicken nugget and they only give me one sauce. Oh boy, I'm going back to that place and I'm like, listen. There's no way this is happening with 20 chicken nuggets, only one sauce. Look, but I do have a soft spot for the checkers. They, they have really great cheese fries, but their burgers, much like McDonald's, are uh, not all that memorable. All right. Well, then I guess it's coming down to fries since the burgers are not memorable at either of these places. So, J.A., fries for the tie. Who's winning the fry war? Piping hot, fresh. It's got to be the McDonald's fries. <laughs> Yeah, can we say the 80s McDonald's fries before they switched over? (laughs) I got to agree. I got too many good memories from McDonald's. Grimace, Fry Guys, and Hamburglar. And whether McDonald's gets out of round two, that's another question. But he's got to move move on. Wendy's, again, with a classic single with Dave coming on there. He was such a nice guy in the 90s. I'm sure he was a real son of a bitch behind the scenes, but he was at least nice in his commercials. He like seemed like that grandpa that was like, here, have a hamburger, kid. You're feeling sad. So Wendy's versus the Flair Burger, J.A. I, I got to go the Flair Burger. It's a real burger. Oh, wow. That's a that's a that's a spicy take. And I have a spicy take, too, because much like Chad in the last round had admitted that he's a chicken nugget obsession. I'm obsessed with the spicy chicken sandwich. Oh, that's the best. I 
I usually order the chicken when I go to Wendy's and I usually order the dry ass baked potato that my wife hates. And she's like, why do you order this every time? It's terrible. And I say, it's good if you dip it in the chili or if you dip it in the frosty, which is weird, but it's good because it is dry and it is bad, but I'll never admit it to my wife. So it's gotta be burger with flour. I'm going to still go with Wendy's. Wendy's introduced me to the wonders of ketchup and mayonnaise mixed together. And Andy, the most underrated burger of all time, the Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. That My is God. right. You used to be I, able to get yes. it for Yes. All right. All right. I'm back, I'm back on Wendy's. I'm back on Wendy's. <laughs> you can I get it in the biggie bag you. now. You can get it in the biggie bag. <laughs> all right. Chad. Like, you know what you're getting from Wendy's. It's going to be consistent. It's not going to blow your socks off, but it's going to be good. Uh, whereas the, the Flair Burger... I mean, you go out and you try experimenting with all this different burger technology. Sometimes you're going to get burned. <laughs> you're going to get that uh, Tennessee Jack burger that's covered in hollandaise and everything else. You're going to be like, why? Why is this my life? And so I'm going to go with Wendy's. Wendy's moving on to the final four. It's a tough one. So on the other side, we've got in White Castle out. coming in at number two versus In and Out at number three. So a two-three matchup. Yeah, in oh, and in out. In and out by landslide. Yeah, we don't even need to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, this, this wasn't even close. All right, I'm not going to fight. They went on it. They went on a 20, 21 run in the in the first yeah. quarter, and the game was over. They were like, like Steph Castle. Curry when he was feeling it. He was just dropping threes right on White Castle's ass. So yeah, you're going in and out burger all the way. All right, then on the other side we've got Burger King versus I believe it was A and W. Burger King, right? Burger King's still, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Burger King's the Popeyes this year. Like, I don't know anybody <laughs> that doesn't like Burger King. And if you say otherwise, you're a damn liar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think if these are your choices, you need to question your life choice. <laughs> How did you get to the point where you have to pick just between Burger King and A&W? <laughs> get the fish. You know you're going to regret it anyway. Just get the damn fish. <laughs> All right. So Burger King's moving on to the finals. And then we've got five guys versus McDonald's. So is five guys going to knock off McDonald's? I say yes. If I had the choice between McDonald's and five guys, I'm going five guys every time. Because to Jay's point, it is actually a burger. Like it is a burger and their fries are much better. Even soggy Five Guys fries in a bag. You know what? And they changed they change something about the Big Mac that the internet's up in an uproar about. So I feel like it's like Coach K retired. So I think we can just roll McDonald's off into the sunset. It's time to go to sleep, Grandpa. You had your glory days. Hey, that they got rid of McDonald's land and marketing their food to make kids fat. That was the day McDonald's. <laughs> Yeah, nobody's getting those apple slices. No, I thought it was going to be controversial to go five guys, but you can mix it up every time and get something different. You don't have that sense of disappointment that you get when you're like, why am I eating a McDonald's? Or really, like, grown-ups go to McDonald's either because they've had too much to drink or because they have kids in the backseat of the car and they just want their kids to be quiet. <laughs> So that is our final four. Make sure that you're getting out to the last comic shop on Twitter this week, and you can vote for either Burger King, In and Out, Wendy's, 
or five guys. Yay! That, that is I'm a tough, burger. tough poll. Yeah, that's that a good a poll. poll. Yeah, I, I'm open. I'm open. Burger King wins. Honestly, here's a little bit of trivia about Burger King in Australia. Burger King is called Hungry Jacks. Oh, <laughs> isn't that the name of like a pancake mix? I thought it was the movie with the kangaroo. <laughs> what a case. We don't have kangaroos boxing folks in our comic book coming up next, which is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So stay tuned for actual comic talk right after this commercial break on our 4th of July spectacular. Now I'm hungry. Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out mine. My name is Dave and I'm the host of Beer in Front. My podcast is just enjoying the beer that's in front of you. Sometimes we forget about a classic beer while we focus on the new trendy thing. What I try to do each week is to enjoy an old school classic or have a beer that has potential to be a classic. I'll also talk about events of the day. I'll add my spin to things. And each week there are people that really annoy me and I'll call them out as the jag off of the week. That's Beer in Front, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. Oof. We better get through this segment quickly. I don't know how those burgers are going to sit down there, but we're here to talk about some Captain America on July 4th. We are reading the Winter Soldier. We also read the arc before that, which was out of time. So that started with Captain America number one that came out in 2005 and ran up through issue 14 with one issue that we did not read because it was a House of M crossover that had nothing to do with the rest of the story and just kind of felt like it was sitting there in the middle of these two sort of epic story yeah. lines. Uh, we could have not read number seven, too. But <laughs> no, I like that one. I the like Jack that one Monroe a lot. Up yeah, the Jack Monroe one was a comments. Wow. All right. But anyways, uh, who were the uh, the creators behind this? Chadrick? Yeah, this was volume five of Captain America, which eventually was folded back into volume one of Captain America uh, when they got to issue 600. But uh, <laughs> we have Ed Brubaker writing this. Steve Epting is the primary artist with flashback art by Michael Lark. There is that fill-in issue that uh, Ethan was alluding to, uh, The Lonesome Death of Jack Monroe with art by John Paul Leone and uh, Tom Palmer. And then you also had on the Winter Soldier arc, starting with issue six, it's Steve Epting with Michael Perkins and uh, Michael Lark helping out on art duties. We had colors by Frank Darmada. And letters by VCs Randy Gentile, Chris Eliopoulos, and Joe Caramagna. Yes, and this is a selection among the Year of Chat. Oh, <laughs> this show's going to be so hard for me just because I love this book. I love everything about it. So it's just going to be me being Chris Farley. Being like, Remember when they did that? 
was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the 10 cents synopsis for the Winter Soldier, the first 14 issues of this, which again, you can get in either the first trade. I think it's a one of two trades. Or if you're really awesome, you can find it in an omnibus that leads all the way up to Captain America's death at the end of Civil War. And then tax on that issue 10. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does have that issue 10 randomly. So if you really want to read that issue, great. It's not in the trade paperback though, whatever. Any case, uh, long story short, the uh, 10 cents synopsis is, when I was growing up, there was a rule among comic book readers that there was only three people that stayed dead in comic books. That was Uncle Ben, Jason Todd, and Bucky. And this particular book just said, ah, screw that rule. We're done with that trash. We're going to bring Bucky back. Yay! And then like a year or two later, here comes Jason Todd with his red hood. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Don't then 2027, uh, here comes Uncle Ben. Oh, no. The Uncle Ben's going to stay dead. That's part of his. Listen, I, I'm, I'm Were you but... about to say that's part of his charm? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that's part of the Spider-Man legend. You can't bring back Uncle Ben. Or it's like bringing back Batman's parents. Like they they, they, they did that. Thomas Wayne, <laughs> one of the flashpoint bad guys. This is this is comic books. They bring back everybody. They brought back Bucky. First, he was fished out of the ocean by the Soviets in the beginning of the Cold War. He was kept in cryogenics and sent on missions to shoot people. At the same time, the Red Skull has taken over some other Russian and is trying to put together back the Cosmic Cube. And everybody is just fucking with Steve Rogers. Except for Sharon Carter, but that will happen later. Ah! <laughs> Any case, long story short, yeah, this is the book that brought back Bucky. And then everybody was like, yeah, we can do that. Let's bring back Jason Todd, which just pissed me off. Pissed me off to no end because pretty much Jason Todd is just Bucky for the Batman universe. They were like, they broke that rule and it was awesome. And it brought in all this money. Let's do it for Jason Todd. Yeah. It gives Batman a broken Robin and like, oh, there's a failure and he's come back. Whatever. It's cheap. Cap this, this Captain America was a bit Batman-esque in certain. There's that issue where the Falcon tracks him down and, and he's been like jumping all over the rooftops. I'm like, since when is Steve Rogers turn into Batman? I just want to beat up some thugs for a little while. That's what Captain America was doing, clearing his head. Chad and I have read this multiple times, but yes. uh, I, I think Ethan and, and maybe J.A. actually hasn't read this in its entirety. So let's get your guys' initial thoughts first. We'll start off with Ethan. What did you think? You've read Captain America in the past. Is this better than other stuff we've made you? It is much better than some of this other stuff that you made me read on Captain America. No, this was a spy thriller. It was uh, the, the problem is, is in looking at this in 2023 eyes, you already kind of know the secret behind it, right? I mean, that I, I tried to put myself in as much in 2005 as I could. Seeing this big revelation of like, holy shit, Bucky's back. Like Andrew said, this was an unwritten comic book rule. A lot of it, unfortunately, is built on that premises of like the shock factor that Bucky's back. Because the actual story that kind of re that revolves around it, I don't think was as fleshed out as it could be, like... There was an evil Russian. He had a cube. Captain America eventually goes into some 
company with robots and with Iron Man and uses them to track down Bucky and then he uses the cube to influence Bucky to remember his past. And I'm just like, this is kind of falling apart. I'm sorry, Chad. I did like it a lot. But I, I, I honestly think a lot of it was built on that shock factor. And once you actually take yourself out of it by reading it 18 years later, I don't think it has as much of an effect as it would have in 2005. Jay. Yeah, I think I have to agree with a lot of what Ethan was saying. This is one of the times where the MCU actually did it better than the comic books. I hated the Cosmic Cube. Mm. It's a hokey thing anyways, and I thought it didn't work with everything else they had going on in the book. Everything was sort of Cold War intrigue, and there's all these almost too many flashback scenes. And then all, all over it, controlling it all was this hokey cosmic cube thing, which I was just like, ugh. the juxtaposition of the two, I thought didn't work. Which is why I thought issue seven was so powerful, because there was almost no Cosmic Cube stuff in that. It was just the guy slowly going crazy from taking bad super serum and then getting shot by Bucky. Yeah. yeah. How hard was that tag at the end? Yeah. Kids are eating this stuff up. Yeah. And he, <laughs> yeah. And it was, is it all psychotic? Is he, is it all in his head? He got shot before he could shoot like these guys selling ice, ice cream. cream. Yeah. His reason to live is to take down these drug dealers that are threatening his daughter. And I, I honestly, that issue had two problems with me. First, I didn't know who the hell this guy was, and I didn't know why I should care about him. And then second, like the art, I don't know what happened, man. Like, I don't I don't want to criticize other people's stuff. This is what you do. But it's it's almost like more cartoony. I want to say yes. Well, it is. It is. It is a little bit of a shock because you go from that Steve Epting art, which is like incredibly photorealistic, like it is a style unto itself and it's dark, it's gritty. It fits the as to Jay's point, the the Cold War aspects and the shadows and the it works. But then you get to that issue and you're right. It's like a complete 180 from that. I was just saying, it almost reminded me of like when Secret Empire, and there was like, I don't know, probably six different art styles. And I was, I just got to the point where it's like, can I just have one consistent vision throughout 13 issues? Is that too much to ask? Like we went from the, the hyper-realistic that you said, then we went to H27, which was like, you know, something out the Archie, like, you know, I'm not sugarcoating this right now. Yeah, I, I I mean, I think that that issue seven works with the art change just simply because, again, we're dealing with a guy that's having a psychotic break. I honestly like the the difference in art tone kind of makes it a little bit more dreamlike. Yeah, if you're going to need to do that fill-in artist, I thought that was a good spot. Yeah, just for that. It's a good one-off because it's a one-off story. It's a, I, I just loved it. It, it felt like, um, especially because it came between the end of Out of Time and the start of the true winter soldier arc yeah. and it, it it felt like a sort of like an intermission it was also kind of like an episode of the twilight zone or something where you and it was disturbing at times like you'd see those scenes where like jack monroe <laughs> he was he, a bucky he was a bucky in the 50s and they put him in suspended animation they eventually brought him out and they teamed with captain america it was truly disturbing seeing this jack monroe character just like beat up guys in his brain 
and then see that they were just like, I don't know, random businessmen in the middle of a parking garage. And it was because he was just having a psychotic break. Of all the criticisms that have been levied against the Winter Soldier storyline, the seriousness of it and the lack of like humor, I think, is one that holds like that psychotic break episode. Like, that's rough. And Jay mentioned, you know, Captain America is a lot like Batman after he lost Jason Todd, basically, where Batman was much more hyper-violent and on edge, and you could tell something was wrong. And then here we have a Captain America where the uh, Cosmic Cube has been drained of its power, but it's still, like, trying to affect his memories. It's still trying to change things. And so this is very serious. It is more violent than you would expect out of a traditional Captain America book. And I've got a question just on Captain America's timeline in this because obviously they say bucky they would wake him up send him on a mission and then put him on ice again so that's why he doesn't age when is captain america meant to have come out of the ice in this book they keep on sliding the time scale that it's always like because it happened 10 years ago yes that's i was gonna say that's i think i thought at, at some point they said you know you came out of the ice 10 years ago and that's always jarring to me because i think he came out of the ice you know before vietnam well, I, we've commented on this show before that I feel like it's one of the parts of the Captain America mythology that like starts kind of falling apart the further and further we get away from World War II is like you have to spend more and more and more time in the ice. And like yeah, it's going to become very problematic with global warming. At some point, there won't be any <laughs> ice for him to be. In. Yikes. As an aside to all that, I just understand why they don't make captain america just flat out immortal like say that the super soldier serum gave him immortality too so he doesn't age like other people do i mean that's a very easy way to explain why he still looks like he's in his 30s even though like he's probably you know close to 80 90 years old like that to me makes more sense than just shifting it that he's been in the ice for a lot longer but i i kind of agree with ethan that like if you already know the conceit of the whole reason for the book kind of takes you a little bit out of it but really what ed brubaker did with this particular series is like what he does with like criminal or any of those like crime related books where he brings captain america back down to the streets uh captain america works better as a street level character he's the only member of the avengers that i believe should be on the avengers that doesn't have godlike powers but at the same time he's a soldier when you put him in that world with other soldiers espionage and political intrigue and things like that it's always going to work so much more than him i don't know punching modok believe it or not because modok looks freaking weird all right can i go yes all right i i'm so ready because this is one of the best modern comic books. Post 2000 out of the Marvel Knights era with uh, Joe Q taking over, this is the pinnacle. And I would dare say this book is even better than the movies that were based off of it. And I say that knowing that Captain America 2 Winter Soldier, the best Marvel movie. But the reason why I think the comic books are better is because Ed Brubaker works so hard to do so many different things. First and foremost, he turns Bucky into a badass. People don't talk enough about that. Oh, we put this little kid in the war. Why would we do that? Well, he can do all the dirty work that Captain America can't be seen doing. He's the guy sneaking behind with a chicken wire and choking people out. And, and then the other thing, too, is then people don't always remember this, but the story where Bucky is killed was a retcon. 
There never was an issue published. You know, Captain America goes into the ice and Bucky is killed in the explosion. That was all stuff that was brought in whenever Stanley and Jack Kirby brought uh, Captain America back into the Avengers. And so what uh, Brubaker does is he takes the concept of this cosmic cube that lets you play around with this stuff. And it's almost like a meta commentary as he's messing around, reconfiguring these stories, making Bucky a badass. And then once uh, he goes and decides he's going to bring Bucky back, there is that issue, that montage of the Winter Soldier just being the absolute like Russian James Bond assassin, you know, traveling places and knocking people off. And that was one of my big critiques with the Winter Soldier movie. As great as it was, it didn't have that montage scene of like Bucky going to an airport. Like all of a sudden he's assassinated this guy, made it look like an accident. Then he goes to another airport, he assassinates this guy, makes it look like an accident. And they build Bucky up so much as the Winter Soldier. He really is a force of nature. And for a character like Captain America, who at this point in the Marvel mythos, Captain America's always had the Red Skull, but the Red Skull's so over the top and evil. He's never had the, you know, the venom, the, you know, that equal but opposite. But for a long time here in the series, the Winter Soldier is Captain America's equal but opposite. But to put it on top of that, you give him the whole heart aspect of like, Cap knows it's Bucky and he knows that Bucky's in there and he refuses to give up on Bucky. And so not only are they retconning things left and right, but in turn, while they're doing that, making them so badass. And then to top that all off, you can't undersell Steve Epting and Michael Lark on the art duties. This is one of those books that I could give to a non-comic book reader and they, they just gobble it up. You know, it reads like a movie. I mean, we were getting ready for the show and I was just telling Andy, this morning, I hadn't picked up the book yet. I was like, oh, I've got to read 13 issues. This is going to take a long time. I read through this in, in a little over an hour. And not because it was decompressed storytelling, although it is. But it just, it reads so fast and it's so cinematic. And you get going to the end. And every time you think you figured something out, there's another twist. There's another turn. Oh, there's a big bad guy reveal at the end that, you know, you thought after issue one wasn't going to happen. He keeps you guessing. And I just, oh, man. <laughs> Oh, they built up the Winter Soldier so well. I, I just, I can't get over it. Like, he's the ultimate adversary for Captain America. He's the ultimate person that Captain America needs to save. And you really feel it. And that's why the best of the Marvel movies come out of this book. Even if you know the big twist, it makes you feel for these characters. And it makes you feel for Steve Rogers, who oftentimes is just, you know, the big Boy Scout. That it's hard to care about Captain America because, you know, he's got that super soldier serum. He doesn't have problems. He's... Captain America. But Bucky doesn't catch the shield. That's the best part of the Marvel movies. And it's not in the comic book. I was like totally expecting him to catch the shield. And he never does it. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was, that was good fight choreography. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but as I said, as you heard, this is the year of Chad. And this is arguably Chad's favorite Captain America story. I mean, honestly. And like, it's hard to discount that. Everything he said... I agree with, honestly, I do. I think it's probably the one that you should have people read first, especially modern audiences. It's like the carpet in the Big Lebowski. It ties everything together so nice. With a stupid cosmic cube in the middle. That's right, that's part of Captain America. (laughs) Yeah, that's part of the Red Skull. That's as far back as like the the, the, the 60s. I'm with Jay. I'm with Jay. I could have taken without the the cosmic cube. Like I think it was. I think it did a disservice to the story because it was just such a tonal shift. And I I also you know, and this might be showing my anti capes bias right now, but it just drove me crazy because like half the time 
Captain America reminded me again at 2005 eyes of Jack Bauer and Jack Bauer is like trying to stop, you know, whatever terrorist attack that's going to happen next. And there is a, there is a season where uh, Jack Bauer's uh, longtime partner, Tony does go bad, but then he has to bring him back and then he becomes good again. So it's just like, there's so many parallels between that. And I was just like, it drove me crazy when he's like in the sewers trying to find these terrorists. And then I see this like Captain America, like, you know, uniform. And it's like this. Come on, man. It's just. Yeah. Like, but what happens to Takani after that? Does he just kind of drift off into the ether? Or does he become <laughs> one of the long lasting contributions to comic books and movies and everything else? Like Bucky is a big deal. Oh, and yeah. it's no. not because of the. 60 years of Bucky before the Winter Soldier story happens. It's because of Ed Brubaker's run. I'm not trying to have Tony, <laughs> Jack Bauer's partner, which probably half the people listening to this show don't even remember Jack Bauer, <laughs> let alone Tony from 24. Um, I'm not trying to say that Tony has the same gravitas of 60 years. I just wish sometimes with this cape stuff, like they would just stop doing the corny shit if you're going to have a serious ass story, don't put people in costumes. It just takes me out of the trying to think about this as like a serious book. That's just my, but no, sense. but that's, that's the whole thing. And I, I, I'm not trying to pick fights. No. And Bucky like, looks like a badass too. Like Bucky doesn't have, like if they would have did this story in 1993 and back me up on this, Chad, they would have put the stupid bl- eye black on him. And he wouldn't have had any feet because Rob Liefeld would have been drawing him and he would have looked like an idiot. Um, and, and then he would pouches. have got like a neon shirt or some stupid Here's shit. what you need to do. Google 1990s Nomad. And you would see what Bucky would look like in the 1990s because that's what they did to Jack Mother Love and Monroe. They put him in the long leather duster. They gave him like, the Oakley glasses. He looks like Lorenzo Lamas from Renegade. Captain I America love that show. Outfit. Ah, you but the boy. thing about Captain America, the thing that Brubaker threads so well, is yeah. that Captain America is that symbol. Captain America is that big, cheesy blue costume because the government needs him to be that thing. But Brubaker's like, yeah, he had that, but he also had the 16-year-old running around choking people out with chicken water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he also had the invaders coming to these towns and like, there's so many different themes. And like, there's that one scene where, you know, they're in France and the, the soldiers are coming back like, hey, look, it's our pals. Oh, wait. And then there's zombies. You just see like, oh, my goodness. And he like, chops his head off. He yeah. chops the zombie's head off with the but shield. But that's Captain America making that decision because these other people aren't well, going to be able to do it. But that's what makes him Captain America. And I just All I have to say, if I had a problem with Captain America's outfit... Thank God they changed Falcon's outfit because when that cheesy ass mother came through with that red cardinal suit, I was like, I, I'm, I'm going to drop this comic book right now. Like, oh, I love it? that with the see-through wings. Oh, oh, man, he looks so much better, better now. Doing, man. In any case, we've got to get to this commercial break. We'll be right back with more of The Last Comic Shop and ratings for Winter Soldier right after this. Nerd Podcast. If you enjoy genuine conversation from two guys who love the subjects that they're talking about, you need to check us out. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd on some of your favorite podcast catching apps, or you can also check out our vlog on YouTube. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd. 
we're really, really easy to find. Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. And I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast covering the Ninja Turtle comic book series one issue at a time. Plus the video games, the cartoon show, the VHS tapes. If it's Ninja Turtles, we'll cover it. Ninja Turtle Nerds is available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back when we were last comic shop and we got to rest through this. So yeah, it's ratings. Here we go. Jay, what's the rating scale? One out of four cosmic cubes, I guess, because it was a massive part of this book, even though some of us thought it shouldn't have been. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll start with you, Jay. How many cosmic cubes are you giving it? I'm going to give it 3.25 cosmic cubes. I thought it was a really good book. I really liked the Cold War intrigue bits of it. Red Skull, he goes out like punk in the first issue, but then he comes back at the end and you, and you know he's going to continue to provide backstory i didn't like that the sort of the big bad was just some unnamed russian dude could have they not have made baron zemo or somebody else or did they need an unnamed bad guy because it's such a different story maybe maybe i don't know all right ethan what's your what's your rating three calls cubes i really i really did like this uh book it just the the tonal change of art style was was a bit jarring for me. I didn't I was I didn't appreciate issue seven. I thought it was complete filler because basically I didn't understand the gravitas of these characters. Yes, he was nomad. He was he was a former Bucky, but Bucky is not as earned as Robin is uh, in the Batman universe for me personally. I did find it bad. Bucky was a badass. I wish there wasn't as much Cosmic Cube stuff as J.A. said. Um, I liked the spy intrigue stuff a lot. So I just think it's a solid three for me, man. Um, it was yeah. one of the best uh, Captain America books I've ever read, though. So I did want to add that. Yeah, I'm going to go next, uh, and I'm going to give this a four. This is a four Cosmic Cuber. This is, again, one of the best stories that is out there for Captain America. Regardless of whether you know about the reveal or not, the slow buildup to actually Bucky remembering and you get that panel in issue 14 or that two page spread where like he remembers like all the nasty stuff he did, feels all that remorse and stuff and then wishes himself away into the cornfield. It was really powerful, really powerful moment. My goodness. What Chad said before, the fact that Captain America doesn't give up on him. He's got the cosmic cube. He's got ultimate power in that one second. And like, he's like, no, I just want my friend to remember who he is. That's more important to me than anything. Plus, like, I love that one issue with the invaders when they go and they're, it's like in World War II when they're fighting in a Russian village, Master Man is there and Red Skull and they've got laser guns. The Russians are like, what the f*** is this? Like, we're fighting a war here. It's like, all we have is vodka and potatoes. Don't you understand? We've got winter and nothing else. So we'll take your winter soldiers and we'll make him badass. So it's a four out of four. Chad? Yeah, no, this is definitely a four out of four for me. I, I just think Brubaker threads the needle so well with so many different elements of comic books. Listen, I understand the Cosmic Cube stuff and other Captain America stories like Wibbly Wobbly, Cosmic Cube. Like, I get it. I, I can understand not, not liking that. But that is built into the heart of what Captain America is. The, the war stuff is built into the heart of what Captain America is and bringing Bucky back, making him badass, and then giving him that arc. Like, this is the best character buildup that I think I've seen, you know, in comic books. And it was the character you couldn't bring back. And he did it. And it was so successful that it spawned all those other things. So for me, it's it's four out of four. 
and I'm going to get right into my recommendations. Uh, my recommendations, really? I don't have recommendations. <laughs> There's none better. The best I can come up for a recommendation would be to read through the rest of this, at least up through issue 25, where Captain America gets killed. It is great. Now, once Bucky becomes Cap, it goes a little off the rails a little bit. But uh, yeah, there, there's none better than this for me. Pick up the rest of Baker's run. You won't be disappointed. There you go. Well, it's time for more recommendations here on the 4th of July. So we'll go ahead and get to J.A. Scott with his recommendation of something else you can pick up in addition to the Captain uh, America Winter Soldier in a variety of different formats, whether it's single issues or whatever. Any case, I know we've talked about these ad nauseum in the past, and I don't know if we've recommended this one specifically, but I'm going with the Penguin Classics Marvel Collection Captain America Jack Kirby, Joe Simon, Stan Lee, Jim Steranko, John Romita Sr. You've got some stories from World War II, stories from the Silver Age, and it just it's a nice backstory of some classic cap stuff so i think it pairs well with the modern winter soldier bits because you get lots of uh, bucky stories in there so and you get the original cosmic cube so and figure out where that all came from and the red skull running around with his old classic swastika costume that was a little bit on the nose for the time i guess they had to uh they had to change that a bit in the in the 60s. Well, it's still one of my favorite story arcs of the original Silver Age Captain America. It starts off with a great issue called uh, Red Skull Lives, um, which they also adapted to the Marvel superhero show, that cartoon show in the 1960s I love so much. It's probably the best episode of the Captain America stories in that. Any case, my recommendation is another Captain America book that you can pick up, which I think is a great follow-up to after you're done with Chad's recommendation of reading the rest of this Winter Soldier uh, uh, Red Brubaker run of Captain America. And that is reading the Ta-Nehisi Coates run of Captain America, which you can pick up in a trade that collects the first six issues called Winter in America. Ta-Nehisi Coates has the unenviable task of restoring Captain America's good name following the events of Secret Empire. As you may or may not know, that was the Nick Spencer event in which Captain America was recast as a totalitarian Hitler-esque dictator who took over America with the help of Hydra. Now that he's back in his classic cap form, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates has decided to remind us how great Captain America is by basically revisiting the Winter Soldier era. You get all of those classic characters from the Winter Soldier epic, whether it's uh, Bucky in his classic Winter Soldier garb, whether it's Sharon Carter as Captain America's love interest, whether it's the Russian Alexandra Luchkin, who is still controlled by the Red Skull, and even even some X-Men baddies in Celine from the Hellfire Club, as well as an awesome fight with Taskmaster. So make sure that you're picking this up. Again, it will not only get you up to speed, post-Secret Empire, but I think Ta-Nehisi Coates does a great job of kind of melding in all of those conversations that we're all having about what it actually means to be American, which is something we should be talking about here on the 4th of July. Ethan. All right, so I'm going to actually deviate from the crowd here and not recommend a Captain America book, but I'm going to stay in the same quadrant of you want a summer blockbuster, you want great American heroes, I'm gonna, I have to recommend one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, it's JLA, New World Order. I'm sure probably everybody on who's listening to this podcast has read this book. 
But if you haven't, you're doing yourself a disservice by not reading it. It brings back all the classic uh, JLA characters. If you enjoyed them in The Flash, you'll enjoy them here. Basically makes Batman into the badass that he is today. Whether that's good or bad, that can be debatable. But, you know, it's it's uh, Grant Morrison writing and it's um, Howard Porter on art. They're fighting Martians and then Batman figures out a way to outsmart them all. Because he's Batman and that's what he does. So, but it right. is a fantastic read. It's only four issues, but it's really, really good. And I recommend it to anybody that cares about comic books. It's actually personally one of my favorite Cape books of all time. So I yeah. just wanted to recommend Plus, it. Plus it was one of the books that it, uh, it may have been a little bit too on the nose, but like Grant Morrison's, why don't we just bring you back all the people people want to read on the JLA? Right. Like let's give them Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman and Green Lantern and Flash. And like, like yeah. spoiler alert, it became one of the best selling books of the nineties and early two thousands and shaped comic books probably to what it is today. So it is very influential in that fact because Andy said, Grant Morrison just said, F it, we're going to bring back all the all your favorites and you're going to have to deal with it. And then, deal, and then, you know, the whole run is really good because they deal with all kinds of crazy stuff like angels and the key and uh, all that crazy stuff. So Tower of Babel. Yeah, when Batman has all the backup plans. Yes. Yeah. And if it hadn't been for that run, you would have never had Kurt Busiek going back and saying like, I oh, will do the same thing with the Avengers. And having that awesome Kurt Busiek run with George Perez. Any case, do you mean the awesome Brian Bendis run where they brought all the big characters? No, 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 no. Shush. Any case, that's all the time we have for Last Comic Shop this week. But we are going to do this real fast because we have to get the fireworks. So in uh, honor of America, here is Stars and Stripes Forever as we run through this. Chad. Uh, What's the website? It's www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Jay, what's the merch? We've got shirts, we've got tote bags, this week only bionic arms. Nice. Recommendations included more Captain America by Ed Brubaker, more Captain America by the Penguins Classics with Kirby and Joe Simon and Stan Lee. And it also included more modern Captain America by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Lenny Francis Yu. And it also included JLA with the New World Order, the Morrison Porter Run. Ethan, supplies. So get your boxes, bags, trading card supplies, everything that you need to start your collection today, all at bcwsupplies.com. And if you go there, use our promo code LCSPOD at checkout. You'll save yourself 10% on all their already very low prices. bcwsupplies.com, LCSPOD. Support the show and get yourself a good deal. Andy, bring us home. All right. Remember that this week you can vote on who is the best burger place. Is it Burger King? Is it Five Guys? Is it In and Out Burger? Is it Wendy's? And smash burger that like button and subscribe <laughs> button and do it today. <laughs> Damn it. Come on. And those man. are the most important the show. Joined by Chad Smith, Jay Scott, and Ethan Larson. Until next week, stay safe, stay fireworking. I don't even know if that's a word. And remember that if you're going camping this summer, be prepared because I've heard it's intense. (laughs) You son of a bitch. The last comic shop was a 2023 Black Anders production.